The world is a new place, and we're all making adjustments. It moves faster and changes direction more frequently than ever before. People feel stuck, unfulfilled, and lost in their lives. I hear this all too often. Where are the answers? Someone please just give me the answers. Well, what if I told you the answers are finally here? My name is Scott McDonald, and I was once just like you. Join me on my process of personal development, pathway of success, and pursuit of happiness. For you see, my job isn't just to ask questions. My job isn't to just listen. My job is to ensure what happened to me does not happen to you. This is the Real Experience Podcast, Student Athlete Edition. I'm Scott McDonald, and today my guest is Cody Creighton, good uh, longtime friend, and actually cousin of Spencer Anderson, who was on our show earlier this week. Cody, great to have you on the show, bud. I was, uh, yeah, I was actually just hearing uh, my dad had uh, had Spence's a bit of his podcast there, so I was actually hearing uh, just a little bit of that. So. Oh yeah, how'd that go? He told me he uh, he couldn't finish it at home because uh, the the grandkids are running around. So. <laughs> Tough to finish anything right now. You, yeah, you have kids. <laughs> you got Mason and we're going around there. They're like, oh, yo, that that's Uncle Spence on there, and your Uncle Scott. <laughs> yeah, well, it was interesting because I don't know what the question was. Something about you know one of the most influential moments, and it was interesting to hear him. The first story he brought up was uh nothing to do with all of his accolades in hockey but uh my mom teaching him how to do his own laundry <laughs> yeah telling him to figure it out eh <laughs> yeah you know I, and we'll start there actually not with the laundry part but we'll start basically <laughs> let's go back to the, the the house at my way farm at palgrave and you know there's you there's your two sisters there's bugs and judy and your parents um and then you know you got spate you got spence Jake and Hannah all running through there and you're all close to the same age and you're all high level athletes or going off to college or whatever. Tell me what it's like growing up in that household for you. Uh, yeah, well, we were lucky because, well, we had, a, we had, my grandfather lived next to us, he had a hundred acres and we had, we had 15. So, you know, between the two of us, we had, you know, we had a lot of property, but 
our childhood was like we didn't have neighbors but we had you know we had like this kind of this big family staying on this kind of massive uh massive property so we did uh we did everything together so we uh i mean uh, mini sticks uh we had uh we we invented games like you know we were actually at one point playing lacrosse with fishing nets because we didn't we didn't have lacrosse <laughs> sticks <laughs> so, whatever you know, it takes got the and, job done <laughs> <laughs> well that was it you know we just we didn't have we didn't have streets or anything to worry about or any real you know and especially in the summers like when we were kids you just woke up and you know you you got everyone up out of bed and then you just you know, you'd go outside and you'd run around or you'd find something to do just kind of go and have at or yeah no i i still wish that uh even though i love having your parents down here and the whole family's down here now actually but like to you know i remember still the first time i went there i was like whoa this is awesome and you guys like yeah this is home (laughs) you had the 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 the, i think bugs had like like you know you had the like shooting area set up with real boards and a real net and it's like oh my god the stuff i could do if i just lived here (laughs) yeah well that stuff evolved it used to be just it was all cement and then we actually had it was like i don't know the technical terms but like wood pillars would like that was the like there was no drywall on the one side so it was uh, still kind of, you know, unfinished, but it was literally just a net. And then, you know, you had that, it was just pavement. So, um, and then actually you could see that the one side of the wall was all the uh, stuff that comes out of it. The, um, you know, oh, like the insulation. The, yeah. The insulation, yeah. like that fluffy uh, insulation stuff. So it would just, you know, at one point it was just everywhere. So it did, uh, it evolved into, you know, a little bit uh, better and safer anyways, but <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, what was it like? Uh, you know, you're growing up there. <clears throat> cousins are coming in and out of the house. You got your your siblings there, and uh, but you know, between uh, you know Jake Spence and yourself, you know, you guys all have one thing in common. That's hockey because of who your dads are. You know, Memorial Cup winners with the Toronto Marlboros, uh, and you got that kind of that pedigree to to live into. And then and then it's like, okay, this is cool. You know, like you guys are kind of all chasing the same dream. And, and you know, Jake's a little older and he's doing his thing in junior. And then you and Spencer teammates. So, uh, you know, what was it like that? I think that was just like, uh, you know, just the luck of the draw basically to be growing up (laughs) with, uh, with those two uh, knuckleheads, uh, with you during your entire life. Yeah. Well, we, you know, I tell people even now, like we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't even choose a sport. It was just, you know, and we, and we still joke a little bit, uh, but we wish we could have uh, maybe chosen golf. Um, (laughs) we get into the deep days of February in the winter and we're going from rink to rink, but, yeah, I mean, we we grew up. We didn't know anything else besides hockey. We grew up uh, on the pond, and we always had, you know, between Jake and, uh, you know, so Jake played. He played as uh, as junior in St. Mike's, and they had that big team there. And so, I mean, even for me, that was like some of my earliest, you know, childhood memories were going and watching Jake play at uh, St. Mike's. Um, some of those guys, you know, some of them are, you know, still actually playing in the NHL, but it was kind of like a dynasty and they go and watch him. And then, uh, of course he ended up playing uh, half a year with us, uh, in, uh, maybe, maybe my first year of junior. Yeah. In Brampton. Yeah. That's right. The, yeah. uh, and that must like, you know, and people think like, Oh, so you got to watch your cousin play. But basically when you're going from Paul grave to like the, the East <laughs> end of Toronto, you know, that's like, uh, 
that's like a little one day vacation basically because <laughs> just because of traffic alone, but it's something to really look forward to. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, and even like John, I mean the big story, like from the earliest age, like we were like, I found a thing uh, in one of my old boxes. My parents keep, you know, when we were kids and it was like this, you know, it was a little mini diary. And I guess when you, when you go as a, you're in grade, whatever, maybe two or three, you tell your teacher, I'm going to vacation. They say, okay, well, here's your assignment to do while you're gone. And she must've said, do a journal. So I was reading the journal and it was, you know, it was just so funny just how normal these things were, but it was, yeah, <clears throat> woke up this morning with uh, uncle John, went to the rink, had pregame skates, you know, of course he's coaching the, uh, he's, the Chicago Wolves. Yeah. 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 AHL <laughs> farm team to, uh, who were they, who were they farm team to that at that time? Oh, I don't, it's changed. Uh, it's changed so many times. I think they were, they might've been independent at, uh, at one yeah, point. Yeah. It but, could be. Cause I mean, some of the clubs would use one team, like two teams would share one team type of thing. Right. So that's right. Yeah. I, but yeah, what's, what's considered like a dream for a lot of athletes growing up, you know, being around like where you have a, your dad or your uncle or whoever in your family that can take you out to the pro practice when you're just like, you know, a little rascal and, uh, and, uh, and that's just like normal living. Right. And, and, you know, and I think that's one thing a lot of people don't know about you is you were skating with, with guys that were one level below the NHL when you're like 14. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, it was pretty special. And we used to get like the sticks from the pros too. Like as kids, we get the latest sticks and everything. And, you know, you'd be able to go down and because John won so many championships, it was just, oh, this is what everyone, you know, this is, it kind of came normal. Just, okay, end of the year, we're going down to Chicago to the finals. And yeah, you know, to see that at a young <laughs> Big age. Playoff, right? it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> and you know, that's something probably a lot of, um, a lot of people envy is when they know someone who has like a, like a pro coach or a former pro athlete as a family member. And, you know, for you, like, what was it like having John, like John Anderson, you know, former Toronto Maple Leaf, OHL Memorial cup winner, um, AHL hall of fame coach. What was that like? You know, when you're like for us, you know, guys like you and I, we hear that cause we've been around it our whole lives and we think, you know, that's just, you know, that's just business as usual. Um, but when you were younger, like, was that kind of a surreal experience for you thinking like, wow, this is, or was that just, you know, normal, normal day-to-day life in the Creighton household? Yeah, that's just, uh, that's dad and uncle John. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, yeah, you did, that stuff was just normal. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you obviously hear you, you know, your dad went in a Memorial cup was a big event and, you know, John, every like, you know, everyone knows uh, there's a certain area where if you mention John, everybody has a memory. But I mean, he's uh, yeah, he's he's Uncle John and and Dad. So <laughs> yeah, there's no starstruck around here, that's for sure. <laughs> nope. Yep. <laughs> so let's let's fast let's fast forward a bit. So you know, we got this household on this wicked farm. You know, everything like life's pretty good. <clears throat> and and when I started with Spence, and I'll start with you. There's your guys, uh, Halton team that your dad put together, which was basically mm-hmm. uh, just a crew of OHL draft picks who didn't make the O and who weren't going to spend the time just being a fourth liner on a junior team. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, let's go and make a run at this. Uh, t- tell me about that group and uh, and the guys that were involved and uh, and and you know what that experience was like because a lot of people think, well, I was drafted, 
you know, if the worst team takes me, I'm going where you guys did right. the opposite. It's like, no, let's band together and, and do something special here. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and everybody, I mean, my, uh, you know, my nephew's four and we make the joke, you know, 10 more years till the draft year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, especially, you know, with my dad, uh, my dad, you know, having uh, and and John as well, you know, winning a Memorial Cup. It's like that was our dream from the earliest age was to win a Memorial Cup. So um and then, you know, my draft year things didn't happen the way they were, you know, they were supposed to. And then um actually my dad took the my dad took that Halton team just he still was you know, we had planned I was going to be able to play junior and uh my dad just kind of took the team on a you know, just in case, you know, it doesn't work out. I want to be able to put a team together. And it happened to be just one of those years where there was about five or six guys that were like right on the cusp of, you know, of, of junior hockey. Some even, you know, were even drafted, but just didn't catch on. And uh, we were just lucky to pull together a team there. And, and, uh, and I, I tell people that that was probably the most formative year of hockey. Um, and I remember, like, I remember not being able to, you know, you went to your junior camps. I remember like I was an absolute wreck when I, when I found out I wasn't going to be able to play junior and like by wreck, I mean like probably two weeks of just, you know, wouldn't talk to anybody. Um, <clears throat> but it ended up being a, a, a special year, you know, for, for a couple of reasons. One is just for, for my development, I was able to, to take another year and um you know I didn't grow till I was 17 so I, I needed another year just to grow and and uh just to you know kind of be the guy and uh so it was formative in that sense but also obviously playing you know playing for my dad and then uh and then uh, and Spence was uh was another big part of it so not something that Spence and I had talked <clears throat> we had uh touched on was you know, sometimes the taking one step back to go two steps forward is the best approach. And, and that's in life, sport, whatever, or what have you, I should say. Um, how, how valuable was that for you to say, okay, we're not the highest level or we're not playing at the highest level where we really want to be, but this is my opportunity to, to dominate where in today's society, the sense of entitlement, the millennial attitude, parents and players today would rather be at the highest level, even on the worst team and not contribute, or they'd, they'd rather work for the brand company as, as, as long as they can say that, like, for example, I work for Apple doing what, well, I'm an administrator, you know, it's like it, where it's like, well, you could have worked here or you could have played here and had a more important role, a more, you know, um, contributing role. Would you say that, that that's something that really needs to start being embraced by a lot more people for, for their de- personal development? Well, well, I mean, in my case, I didn't have a choice. So it, you know, it wasn't like I said, this is going to be important for me. So I need to go back. I mean, I never would have, I would have taken any other road except for that route that I was, that I was pushed. So uh, but it, there is probably more, I think, to say on in terms of, you know, eventually you have to get over yourself and say, uh, this is where I'm at. And then um, rather than being, uh, you know, going into it as, 
um, kind of in a self-pitying sense. I, I shouldn't really be here. And, um, you know, you, you may, you know, and maybe I started like that, but eventually you got to just, you know, you got to get over yourself and this is where you are. So <laughs> would you say like looking back now, um, you know, there's, there's column A and there's column B. Column A is you do make junior, you're not fully grown or developed, you know, physically yet. And then that, that road goes that way. And then there's column B, which is the life that you actually lived. And we all know, you know, you become a top scorer in the OPGHL, you get your full ride scholarship. Do you think if you don't go back to Halton and have that year with that group of guys and have that success and you went the straight to junior, didn't have that experience with Halton, do you think you still would have ended up in the same place or do you think it, it worked out for you in the end and it's just a silver lining to be looked at? Yeah, you know what, there, and I don't know enough today, but there's so many different routes to get there. And, you know, one of the things my dad always said was he says, the cream always rises to the top. Spencer mentioned that too. (laughs) Yeah. I think that stuck with us that, you know what, there's a sense of, okay, like if I'm good enough, I get there. And, and it's just something that I, I still believe it. The, the, the line between the guys that, you know, we say make it, the guys that get an NHL contract and the guys that don't is it's so narrow in, in some sense. And, um, and there's so many different ways you get left behind. Um, But in general, we say, yeah, you know what, they, <laughs> the cream rises, they, they got there and, and they were probably going to get there, whether it took them another year or two or whether they went to this school or that school or this OHL team or lost this playoff game, um, et cetera. So, I mean, uh, yeah, there's just, there's so many ways, there's so many different uh, variables in, in development and in, in progressing to where you want to go. So. That season too, you guys had like, again, a top team, <clears throat> but at the same time, you guys had uh, not quite the ending that, that you're hoping for. Um, you know, do you want it for just for the ones who are listening? Because we have some athletes who are, you know, from all walks of life who have been on those powerhouse teams, those, you know, the, the, the dream teams. And then, you know, it doesn't pan out and sometimes it does pan out, but for you guys, it didn't pan out. Um, so Talk to me about a bit about that experience, because um, I remember you said it was you guys were hit pretty hard, and uh, and what you really learned from from uh, that happening. And this is with uh, are you saying this is with Halton? Yeah, at, at Halton there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean that's a that's a long uh, that's a long way back. Um, uh, I don't know if I can. I have too many memories. I mean we I, we end up losing. I think somewhere in the playoffs we didn't win everything which was which was a surprise but uh uh yeah i mean uh, obviously uh, you knew that we weren't going to stay together so I, I you know i had some friends in the team friends that i'm still uh still friends with today and obviously mm-hmm. you, you know you just never knew with spence if it was going to be you know how many more years you had so and that was kind of what you're thinking about at the end is you know when we tell teams that today too this is there's probably not going to be another year that's the same. It's just the way it is. So you don't take it for granted. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever. So we're going from, uh, we're exiting, you know, the, uh, the minor level. We're now entering into the development leagues, which is the OPGHL. 
and you guys are going to Brampton. And um, it what turned out to be what I what we've discussed before, but what I know was a was a great fit. Um, you know, talk to me about and and so that our audience knows what you should be looking for in a program that's a that's a good environment for you to excel to be the best version of you. Because I know that that even though that team didn't have the most money, there was a lot of moving parts there that that made it a great experience for the players who were there. Yeah, I, I mean another. <laughs> I hate to keep saying this, but another case where it turned out, <clears throat> I was actually, that year I went to another junior camp um, because they said, hey, we're, you're on the line. We're going to call you up throughout the year. And, and what happened was they went to call me up and, uh, and your dad will be able to tell you this. <laughs> they went to or, call me up and they said- I remember the phone call when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, they said, yeah, you're, you're, uh, your rights aren't owned by us. They're actually owned by Brampton. So- we called Brampton to say, Hey, would you mind releasing our rights? And they said, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> so, so, and then, you know, sure enough, then they, they called me up, uh, you know, I don't know how quickly there. And, you know, we ended up, you know, being just, yeah, it was a kind of a good start there. And uh, yeah, it ended up working out. I mean, again, it, when you look back at those, the moments, it, it, there's so many different factors that go into it. I happened to end up with, with really good line mates. Um, we had good coaching um, and you just, we just seemed to be a team that gelled. I think the one, uh, and Spence had brought this up and it was, I was going to bring it up too, but I think the one thing that made that program work so well was the guy at the top, which was Johnny Onzo. Like, I don't think junior hockey's ever going to see an owner like that who is straight up supportive like has been through the process with winning teams, you know, with, uh, with the son, Jeff and with my brother, Mike back, uh, back in the day. Um, but really let the players and the management just do what they had to do to be the best of themselves. <clears throat> and so, you know, how much of effect, like, you know, if you have a guy like uh, Mr. Rianzo, who's, you know, letting you guys be yourself, how, how valuable is that? Because we do know sometimes you got people at the top who, expect certain things if you're not winning you're going home um so you know it, uh, just so that our, our audience gets an idea how, how important it is to have very good upper management around your support group well your your coaches dictate your ice time they dictate everything so um for me that's the you know that's a big thing you're looking at when you know when you're looking and making decisions on teams who's my coach what are they like there are certain coaches that don't just don't fit well with the, you know, the kind of player you are. Um, so, I mean, yeah, really important. I just, when I, when I played, uh, when I played junior, I never had kind of any, any thoughts of what was going on in, in the upper management sense because they just, they let me play. So, you know, for me, that's, that's what I needed. I needed someone that was, trusted me and that was going to put me in the you know the positions that where I was going to succeed whereas some of the other clubs that we know of who we won't mention but some of the other clubs you could have went to and made six seven hundred bucks a week because you're a 20 year old right (laughs) maybe I should have gone there and And you know and you know exactly uh you know and if you're not going to produce you know exactly what's going to happen to you in a couple of weeks and you know that paycheck's not there anymore so go figure Uh, so looking back at your time, you know, in a development league, uh, 
what what do you think was was most important in those years before you got to the collegiate years like in terms like if you could you know tell our audience today who we know are a lot of a lot of athletes who are going to be going to uh, the NCAA or to U sports here in Canada during their when you're in your development league in your in your junior league or prep league quote unquote yeah. um, what do you think are the most important things to focus on during those years your practice habits Dan said Dan Lichterman said that today too. <laughs> Absolutely. Attention, attention to detail. If you say yep. stop at the red line, you stop at the red line. If you say right. turn, pull up on your backhand, you <laughs> pull up on the backhand or yes. what have you. So, okay, all right. So go in your, so we can get your definition, like, um, you know, go into a little further detail with that. Uh, yeah. And just mean call it. I mean, so if you're speaking from junior to college, it's, it really is a different, uh, it's a different world. And, um, you know, whether you agree with it or not, or whatever you want to say about it, it is a different world and you have to learn how to play within it. I happen to be one who thinks it's, it is a good, uh, a good step in development. Um, but if you don't learn the habits of what it means, um, I would even say it, it trains you. Uh, it's a little bit differently than a pro, but to have the practice habits of, you know, uh, like Dan would say, like, to stop at the red line means stop at the red line. Like that seems like a simple thing. Um, but it's, but if you don't, to that. <laughs> resistant to that. <laughs> right. And you know, just to, just to how you, you, you know, you practice like with meaning, with purpose, uh, you, you know, how you battle. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's, there's so many things you can, we can talk about all of them, just how you, you know, just, yeah, the way you, you know, doing one-on-ones or small area games, like, those things, if you haven't developed those, you learn, you learn the hard way, uh, you know, and, and then those, and the reason why the practices are so important because NCAA, you practice, you're practicing four days a week, right? You only play on weekends. They're so important, but also it helps you in the games because the game, the intensity and the way you're playing is, is also another step up. So if you're lag, lagging in your habits there, um, you're going to be, it's just going to take a lot more, you know, a lot more time to catch up. One, one thing that I, I uh, told Dan about to, to kind of use as an analogy towards this with the, with the habits and it goes actually with this broadcasting course I'm in through London Real and the founder, Brian Rose, he said, when we're developing this podcast um, to go very micro, find a micro niche. And, and Dan actually really liked that concept because it's like, okay, well, you know, when we're talking about your, your attention to detail and practice, that's going micro on a skill, you know, your attention to detail in practice. Some people say just, you know, attention to detail and that can mean anything. Just like when, when I went in this course, a lot of my, uh, my fellow classmates were, you know, well, I want to do a podcast about personal development. Okay. For who? For anybody. Well, yeah, but not everyone's going to listen and not everyone in the world's going to listen. So you know, when we did this one, they asked me, okay, who's it for? Student athletes. Where? North America. What age? 16 to 21. And we got really exact. And I said, you know, I think that's the one thing when you're in that development stage from your prep league into the NCAA is you have to, and this is hard because no one, no one teaches that to you to say, you got to get micro saying, I want to get faster. Isn't good enough. How, well, fastest on the team 
fastest forward, fastest, you know, backwards, uh, fastest blue line, to blue line, like what are we talking about here? You know? And, and I think that's something that's, that's lacking in the teaching of student athletes. They don't know how to really get micro with it and develop those little daily disciplines because you and I both know it's easy. And I keep preaching this on this podcast. If you work hard on yourself, you'll make, sorry, if you work hard on your job, you'll make a living. If you work hard on yourself, you'll make a fortune where if you work hard on your sport, which is, you know, games, practices, video, you know, off season training, that's working hard on your job. But if you work harder on yourself and get very micro specific with what you need to excel, that's when you're really going to take off. And I think that's, you know, what, what you're just, you're saying exactly what Dan was saying. It's, you know, the attention to detail, finding out what your weaknesses are and, and understanding, Hey, that's what it is. And getting over that and finding ways to improve on them. Not just saying, well, I asked someone, well, who did you ask about getting stronger? Well, I said to my coach, well, who would I go to be stronger? We'll work harder. Well, yeah, again, that's not micro enough. Find a strength coach or find someone specific. You want to get faster? You know, it might be talking to a track coach. It might be talking to, you know, just a power lifter to talk about getting your legs stronger and so on and so forth. So um, that like, it's amazing how, and I say success leaves clues. It's amazing how what you're saying and what Dan's saying, what your cousin's saying, and it applies to all factors of life, whether it's sport or business, because I'm, you know, we're going to have your dad on in a couple of days. And I'm pretty sure a lot of his life lessons will, will be the same with business, you know, with him being a successful businessman. Um, this stuff is all connected, but yet everyone is so focused on, you know, the, what the Joneses are doing and, and what they think should be done. Now to continue on now from, that transition your your first year your freshman year for uh for a student athlete what should what is there to be expected like what 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 should they what should all of our listeners who are going to be taking notes now understand about the freshman year those first that first month that you're there on campus away from home make sure you're in shape (laughs) (laughs) yes <laughs> continue on from what I was just talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, there really isn't too much, you know, in terms of preparation. And I think people are there is a little more uh, exposure. People are talking about it a little bit more. But for a lot of us, we kind of we didn't really know what we were getting into. So you're, you know, you're you're kind of learning as you go. But it's. Um, again, it's, you go from playing junior where you're not in school, where, I mean, like where you're waking up at 1 PM, having lunch, coming back, napping. That's because um, you went to bed at 5 AM, which most, <laughs> most athletes probably shouldn't do well, there's, yeah, <laughs> at there's that other... time. But when you're a 19, 20 year old overager, <laughs> I guess it's okay. There's yeah, there's, there's other issues there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you know, you go and you, and you show up here and, um, it's, it's not just that it's more rigorous, it's that everybody, <clears throat> you're now dealing with the field of, you've taken the best player of every junior league and now they're on the team. So, you know, if you haven't been, <clears throat> if you've been relying on just being the best player in a league, uh, at, at all, now you're jumping into a situation where you're going to be pushed. Like the margins are, 
they're not just their narrow year, even in some sense, there's players that have better accolades. So, you know, you have that, you have that, and now you put that into a practice. And now, you know, again, the tempo and everything, you know, everything's okay. changing. And then on top of that, now you have, now you have school, right? So now you have to be able to manage your time and be able to, you know, get your grades on, on your exams. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's even, you know, a lot of those academy schools now they're, they're good because they're, they're training kids for that lifestyle. I think a little bit more. Yeah. They're training their parents for the uh, financial commitment too. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's, that's a whole another. different, whole different piece right there. Well, and you know, now that you brought that up, um, you know, getting about, and you hit a nerve with me when you talked about the, uh, top players from your development league coming into your club that you're going to be playing for for the next four years. And uh, Jacko and I touched on this the other day because his conversation was, uh, we want you to be more def- more of a defensive forward than what you are now. Not saying we don't want you to score goals, but you're going to become more defensive to be successful here. Your conversation was a bit different, though, with Derek Schooley. Your conversation was you play top six minutes or you don't play at all. And for, again, our, our listeners, that is a true story. That you were, uh, you, I remember your last year, 75 points coming out of junior you know, you think, uh, okay, I got this, but now he's just saying, I don't want you to be a third or fourth liner. And we all know how hard it is to be a top player in your freshman year in men's NCAA sports. Cause now you're a 20 year old against a 25 year old senior. Now you're a young adult entering young adults. And now you're playing against a man and you're not going to get played unless you play top six minutes. So, um, what was, what was your, uh, what was your initial uh, reaction to that in, inside your mind when he said that to you? Well, I mean, I came in, I wouldn't say, I, I mean, I came in with confidence, but I had definitely a, I had definitely an attitude problem. Um, and I could share with you all the different uh, issues there, but um, you know, coming in and just thinking that you're the best player and you're going to be given everything and uh, just kind of looking down on all the other players. And uh, I remember we did a, we did what's called a blue white game, which again, this for me, the blue white game is going and it's shinny, right? And I'm going to go out there and score a few goals. I'm definitely not going to back check. And uh, <clears throat> I remember after our first blue white game, this is in preseason and uh, coach calls me up and just says, how do you think your game went? And I said, Oh, I thought it was pretty good. You know, I had a couple of shots, really good chances. And then they showed me all the clips of me not skating, not back checking, and just went, okay. And they just said, you're out of the lineup. You're not playing your first game now. So, you know, you go from you've worked all this way, and then you think, oh, I'm going to just be given this. And then, you know, you're you're riding the bus to the first, you know, supposed to be your first college game, and you end up uh, watching from the stands. Yeah. <laughs> so not the place you want to be. <laughs> no, definitely not. And and I and it's a story like that, you know, a real experience story like that that is kind of a, you know, that's a little secret that uh, not too many of these these kids know. They think that, okay, well, because we all, you know, and it's no one's fault. We all think we're special. Like even Spence and I talked about, you know, when Kitchener came calling, like his thing was, well, you know, we got nothing left to prove here. We're gonna go to the O, and then. We all know what happened there in his story and of his first episode. Yeah. And then the same thing that happens for you here too. Cause now that's a tough spot. Like, you, you know, you're, there's half of the forward positions 
aren't even available to you because of the coach's expectations. So you only have half that are available, but now you're against, you know, the seniors, the juniors, the sophomores. Well, that and I also was one year behind Longer. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nathan Monkey who who ran. So you know, the there's hills. only one. No, yeah. <laughs> Nathan, Nathan Mongpray, who will be on an episode uh, later this month because he ran up north uh, once the uh, COVID nineteen lockdown had happened here. So. Yeah. Well, you can tell him I said that. I still thank him for being one year ahead of me. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So uh, you know, d- during during your four years. You know, I know the, the first couple of years, it's not it, not the point production that matches the Cody Creighton of the OPJHL. And I imagine that's starting to play with your head now because it's like, okay, well, is maybe this isn't for me or maybe there's something wrong. Or was it that in your head? Were you, were you battling with yourself or was it the program is not giving me what I need to succeed mentality at that time? Uh. I was definitely not thinking about, uh, it was about me. That's for sure. Um, so it was everyone else's fault. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I actually never, so in my first two years was a, was an ongoing struggle because I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out. I just, I couldn't figure out a way to, you know, to, uh, to transition or to, to find that part of the game that, that I needed to do. And it wasn't the coaches were trying to, you know, like my coaches were like, Hey, <laughs> we brought you in. We, you know, we needed you, we need you to produce. We need you playing. Um, but I just, I couldn't do it. I, you know, I didn't have the habits. I had attitude problems uh, and just, I mean, a maturity. I mean, being, you know, being 20 years old, it, it just, I just didn't have the maturity at that, at that point. Um, and actually it wasn't until really until my third year, um, at the, about the halfway mark actually it was for the winter classic and, and I did something, uh, yeah, just really dumb in practice. And, uh, when coach told everyone not to, and ended up, uh, you know, being pulled out of the winter classic game. And then I actually was out of the lineup and this is, again, this is like halfway into your junior year. Like there isn't much time left. And uh, the only reason I got back into the lineup, and we were on our way to play North Dakota, and on the way we took the, on the way on the flight, the, one of our uh, players, his, his foot flared up, and I actually I jumped in the lineup there, and then I, was, I thought know, you were going to say I jumped on his foot right I, away. No, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would have worked too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a bit of that going on in practice. Just you know, you're trying to find the guy that's ahead of you and take him down. No, um, that would have probably been been better for me. But um, but I actually I got in the lineup there and and we played North Dakota there and it just was one of those games where you just everyone had to you know you had to be up and going. And uh, from that point on, I just I was able to have a, a you know however many points I had in those last 15 games. It set me up there uh, for my senior year. Well, you finished the year with three goals and 13 assists or 16 points. And the, the two years prior, I think you only had three goals. And that the first year was almost non-existent. Year two, you had two. And then year four, you, you almost hit the 30-point barrier at eight goals and 20 assists. 
And, you know, even Spence says like, uh, do you still remember your stats? And yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's good to, it's good to rehear those. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's see if we can get this out. What, what did you do in practice that pissed Schooley off so much to kick you off the, uh, the winter classic roster? Uh, I actually, uh, we were, I think we were struggling on doing breakaways and I, and he, he wanted us rightly to take the shootout seriously. And, uh, and I went down and I can't remember if someone did a move that I really liked. And it was like, you know, with a, some kind of a spin in it. And uh, so that was, I went down and did like a 360 on it. And that was the end of that. So something as simple as that gets you booted out of the next game. Well, it, I had, this was a, this was an ongoing, this was a three years of me, you know, screwing around acting like, uh, yeah, like I still was, uh, yeah, on top of the world. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. So at any point in time, like things aren't going your way, and that we'll, before we get to your last year, things aren't going your way. At any point in time, did you ever think like, hey, I got to pack this in, I got to go home? Yes. Yeah. How, was that was that an ongoing battle? Yes. Well, I mean, you're, we're taught in the we live in Toronto, so we're taught if you're not in the power play, you, you know, you just go to the next team, right? There's yeah down the street. True. Yep. And it's the same in junior and, and I, my junior, my hockey experience for the most part was, was fairly smooth. So I didn't have to do that as much, but I just, I wasn't, I wasn't trained to, to, you know, to fight through and, and battle through stuff. Uh, like I, you know, like I had to, so it was kind of new for me, but yeah, you're always thinking, Oh, I'll just go somewhere else or, you know, I'll just quit and go here and, so, you know, I was very close and several times. Yeah, did, at, any, at any time, like, cause I know you definitely, you're talking to your dad about that. Do you ever talk to John and get his opinion on it being at the level that he's at and he's still, he's still, uh, you know, a hot commodity in the, in the AHL, you know, he's one of the top coaches like in professional sport and professional hockey and, and professional minor, uh, minor pro sports at the time. Do you ever confide in him to, to, you know, get some perspective at during that time? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't remember uh, too many of the conversations, but, you know, they were generally just, hey, you're, you can do it. You're skilled enough. Just, you got to find a way to do it. You got to get a grip now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you go into your, your senior year, you know, we're, mm-hmm. you almost hit the 30 point barrier, which is, you know, a pretty damn good season for Div 1 hockey in the NCAA. Um, was there something there that changed around or do you think it was just that final year you're, you're in your final year, the maturity, the confidence goes up and you expect from yourself to be out producing these guys who are, you know, three, four years younger than you now. Yeah. I mean, everyone's senior year, that's your, that's your most confident year. So that had something to do with it. Uh, I still, uh, you know, it's, if I look back, I don't think it was, uh, um, it was the year that I was I was hoping for, um, and we just you know with our with our team as well. But um, you know I I started to at least pick up a little bit of the habits, and um, you know those allowed me just the confidence from the last year. I just I was going to be put into those situations where I was going to succeed. Um, you know just right off the right off the, the start there and. And I actually, you know, in my first, my first five games, I actually don't think I even, 
I don't have a pointer. There was something there because I just remember, um, I remember after our, maybe it was our fourth or fifth game and, and I was actually pointless. And I think coach came in and I remember he looked and he says, are you ever, you know, are you ever going to do something? Not in a, in a negative way, but just saying, hey, <laughs> it's time. <laughs> and uh, and so I think that was, you know, that was, uh, you know, and then the next game, I think things started to turn around. So, but uh, yeah, your, your, your senior year is your, is your year. <laughs> so. And what's going on in your mind? Like, you know, and I, I talked to Dan about this earlier today. He, and we said about, you know, that senior year is so important. It's, it's emotional mm-hmm. at the same time, yeah. you know, you're, it's your ending an era, you know, and you're going to be moving on, but you, what was your whole mindset in that last year? Was it still strictly, you know, hockey is, is the way to go? Were, were you ever thinking career at that time? Um, or was your mind, or were you still driven just to be like, no, I'm still going to pursue my sport? Yeah. My whole mindset was still was, was pro. I just, I just was ready to, I was ready to turn pro. And, um, and then, I mean, that's, I'm not saying that that's the right, the right mindset necessarily. Like I didn't, uh, just my arrogance. I was just always, you know, looking so far ahead rather than saying, Hey, you know, why don't you take care of this year and enjoy it? Because what ends up happening is of course you turn pro and you go, Oh, this, <laughs> you get traded and released, you know, and you go, Oh, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know? And, and so, you know, you miss out. I tell her, I tell her kids that, that that four years of college hockey, those are the best years. They're the four years where it's actually, it is about yourself, but it's about your team and your program and, 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 you know, fellowship, like you live and, uh, and I would have told you that I didn't enjoy this as much a lot of the time, but you live with these people, you, you know, you're not just playing hockey. Like, so I have, I have friends from, from those four years that are like some of my closest friends today. Like, you know, you're, you're in weddings with them and, you see them once every five years now and it's like you're you just catch you know you pick up right where you left off so talk about glory days <laughs> <laughs> no not so much, <laughs> not well, so much. <laughs> well here's something that i think that you live through um i know spence didn't have the experience uh like this because uh, his path was a bit different at the time but you lived through this and a lot of our athletes well, no, not a lot. All of our athletes across the globe are going through this with this COVID-19 thing and their, their, their seasons being cut short. You leave Bobby Moe, Robert Morris University. It's time to go to the pro camps. And you wake up one morning and you get the punched right in your face. The lockout happens. NHL guys go to the AHL. AHL goes to the ECHL. And now there's no jobs. When that did that sink in when the lockout was announced, did that sink in like this is going to put me back here. Like I was, I've been waiting for this. Finally, it's here, and it's been just been taken away from me, and it's out of my control. Uh, no, uh, I mean for me, I was I was actually going to make. Um, uh, I had signed a tryout with uh, with Chicago and. Yeah, my mindset was I was going in there to make a team. So I, I still hadn't, uh, you know, maybe just because I never had this mindset, I just you never were preparing or, you know, expecting the 
you know, something worse to happen. I was then, going there and I was going to make the team. With the Wolves, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I had signed, uh, so I had signed a, uh, I had signed a, uh, uh, a contract with Kalamazoo in the East Coast League. And then uh, I had signed a, uh, a PTO with, with uh, Chicago, which was their affiliate. So uh, yeah, to an extent, I still, you know, had a sense that I, I could end up there, but you know, I was going there to make, to make that team. I didn't know what, it, how many players were going to be there. <laughs> yeah. So when you get there and then who, who breaks the news to you? Does John break it to you or does, or is it someone down the line that says, uh, you know, you're going back to uh, the zoo? No, John wasn't coaching there. Uh, oh, 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 oh well, that's, uh, Scotty Arneal is there. Yeah. So he, that's right. Uh, he, he, John had gone to Atlanta, right? Uh, By that time? No, he was, maybe he was in Phoenix or, yeah, he, he might have been in Phoenix. I think that's Actually, yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, Phoenix, because Atlanta was a few years. Atlanta was when we were, you, you were just finishing up junior. That's right. Get my, yeah. get my history confused. <laughs> but yeah, but Scott Arneal was the coach there. I think he's with the Rangers now or he's somewhere in the NHL. He was the head coach there. So, um, but yeah, it's like all of them. They call you in and just say, hey, you know, we like these, we like that, and uh, we're releasing it. And that puts you on to, you know, a, a different road that, you know, again, like going back to Halton because you've been there before. Is your attitude different this time? Because you've kind of lived through that, that transition where you like, like when you went back to Halton, you thought you're going to make the junior team. You don't, you go back to AAA and it's not the ideal. you wanted to make the AHL. That's where you thought you were going. You don't. Now you're going to the East coast league where your contract's basically week to week. So did you have different perspective this time around, or were you still, you know, I'm too, uh, too cool for school attitude? Yeah, I, I definitely had that. Uh, I don't think I knew the severity as well. Like for me, it was like I was going down there and thinking, you know, obviously you're thinking this is not where you want to be. But, um, you know, you, you got to camp and then all of a sudden, you know, we came obviously late to camp because we had been in Chicago, there was a few of us and, and, uh, there, you know, and I was actually, I was the only rookie. So they would all, you know, after a couple of days of being there, they were all gone. So then you kind of realized, okay, well, this is, <laughs> this is maybe a little bigger than I thought. Kind of like what people are going through with this self-isolating with COVID ID and it's not COVID-19 and it's not happening. It's just, you know, like you said there, it's like, yeah, I didn't take it as serious as I thought I should. And it's kind of like what's going on in the world <laughs> right now. parallel, yeah, you maybe. <laughs> comedy happens in threes. <laughs> so, okay, so, and, and we know what the story, well, I know what the story is. And I'll, for our viewers, I'll, I'll fast forward us through here. Um, a lot of jumping around that year, 2012-2013 season. I think it was like four different teams. And then uh, Stockton was the last one down in Florida, I believe, was where you ended up to, to finish it out. I Stockton's in California, yeah, and then oh, California, I, okay, yeah, I, I finished in Florida. Yeah, no, I finished in uh, uh, Florida. Yeah, that's oh yeah, with the Everglades, Everglades right, right, yeah. that's right. So okay, so you know that's not working out, and now something that uh, uh, Jacko was really big on about keeping an open mind. Dan had said it earlier today on his episode about keeping more of an open mind. You go to a a different world in professional sports with European leagues. And how does, how does one seek that out? Cause I know a lot of our 
student athletes think everything's just based here in North America, but there is a lot of opportunity over in Europe to play your professional sport, male or female. So um, talk, talk to us about how you got into that and, um, and the, uh, the difference between the culture. Um, Jacko said, you know, North America was way more structured. Uh, Europe is a lot more relaxed and freewheeling. So uh, just kind of, uh, you know, give us a bit of a, a description of, of what that experience was like when that opportunity arises. Uh, yeah, again, it was, I didn't have the necessarily the, the full choice. Um, I had been hurt uh, during that year in the lockout. I ended up, and I ended up uh, uh, hurting my MCL. So when I went back to camp the next year, I didn't, you had no, you were kind of like forgotten like everyone at else, you know, was, was now resetting. And, uh, and so I went to, um, that's actually when John, uh, John took the job with the wolves and they signed me to a, to a professional tryout there. And, um, it wasn't until that didn't work out that I was now saying, okay, am I going to go back down or where am I going to go? So, my agent at the time had said, Hey, this opportunity's, you know, I think it's probably wise that you go overseas. And, uh, so I was kind of thrust into, uh, you know, thrust into that world, kind of not knowing anything outside of North America kind of period. So, um, that was a bit of a shock. I remember just getting the, you know, getting the description of where it was and it was, it was Budapest was my first team and I thought oh is this in India I didn't know you know <laughs> and I'm thinking oh my god like so <laughs> you know this is kind of what we're they dealing with here <laughs> yeah <clears throat> and uh of course you know just with the the year and everything with the injury and everything just thinking is this is this even going to be worth it so but uh yeah this ended up going and it was uh yeah it was a really good experience for me yeah, the uh, that's what Jacko was saying. You know, Europe provided him with different opportunities and different experiences that were more positive than uh, than most people would expect. And again, it goes back to that mentality that we kind of have here. Um, you know, especially for like when we're talking about hockey in the in the Greater Toronto area, the mecca. Basically, it's you know I'm too good for that other brand. Like I wear Nike. I don't wear you know Fila or fubu or whatever you know it's one of those things but at the same time you know there's you don't know until you try and i, I think that's the that's the thing about that open-mindedness that student athletes need you need to understand that it's never going to be that perfect situation when you think about it let's look at this you know uh the year that you the year that you went back to halton because it didn't work out the year that you had to go to the echl because the wolves didn't work out the year that John comes back and it still doesn't work out. And now you got to go to Europe three times where it doesn't work out. And in the matter of we're talking like probably, you know, Bobby Moe didn't work out for, you know, three out of the four years. You know, the only time that going back is when, when did it work out in Brampton? When, when you got Johnny Onzo letting his management staff do what they need to do. And that management staff letting the players do what they need to do. And it's funny how far apart those, those two experiences can be when you look at, uh, you know, your time in Brampton as a top scorer, and then you go to Budapest and all of a sudden, you know, hockey's fun again. The, the, I remember you telling me the, 
like how beautiful the city was and where they had you guys set up and just the kind of the lifestyle, the quality of life that you got to live while you're there way better than riding the bus, you know, with Kalamazoo. <laughs> Ironically, it was probably when I was in Budapest was the only time that I was riding the public uh, for the first time, the public buses there and they were actually, they were actually quite nice, but <laughs> it was the first time I was actually riding the bus, <laughs> the public go. buses there. There you go. Okay. So, so I remember when you come home uh, and I remember you're getting back ready to gear up, go again uh, for another round back to Europe, another contract, same thing like our buddy Longer did with, uh, with his, the tail end of his career. And uh, again, you go there, I think it was Denmark, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yep. Okay. And you think, okay, like I, I feel by this time you, pro- you feel like you have momentum after Budapest, right? Like there's, you know, light is at the end of the tunnel finally well the last stop happens to be just outside of that tunnel and that's denmark so take us through that and what you experienced during that time uh yeah well i i had a uh, had a, a good enough year in uh, in budapest and uh i think going to denmark seemed like the the, the right step but uh, again, you're always just going into every uh, every situation thinking, yeah, you're gonna keep taking steps. So for me, it, maybe it wasn't didn't seem like the end of the line. Um, but uh, I think I think I, I tell everybody and everyone who's ever stopped playing kind of knows you start to get that feeling where you start to sense, I think this is it, and. Um, you know, I think even just maybe even at the start of that season, the first time I noticed it was like a 1% drop of, of that 100% all in, like training three hours a day on the ice. And then all of a sudden you have like a 1% drop in your, in your, in your motivation. And I just went, wow, I've never, I've never felt that before. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I tell people, I, we had our last game of the year, and I and I knew it was my last game. Did you was were you going in knowing it was your last game? Like, was that something that was premeditated? Um, yeah, I, I knew. Yeah. When <laughs> yeah. Uh, so okay, so you finish off there. The uh, the dream is over. You got to come back home, and you get home, and now it's time to face realities. There's no money coming in. There's uh, no more AHL tryouts. There's no, uh, you know, I can rely on mm-hmm. my family to kind of help me out on this one. Now it's on you. And uh, there's a transition in life that happens for yourself. And, and people always, I've had people in before always ask me, hey, what was Cody like back in junior and when you guys first met and all that? I said, well, Cody was great with me because, you know, my dad was his boss. So <laughs> I said, when Cody met me, he, he and I hit it off pretty good. But I remember back, you know, when we would skate with Novak and, and Brampton, you know, I remember back in practice, you're really, really welcoming me. And so was Spence. And a lot of guys on that team were, you know, like a lot of guys weren't. There are other guys who didn't want me around, but you guys did. And, and that really helped me out there. But I always told people this <laughs> when people ask me, what was Cody like back in the day? I said, well, Cody... He either liked you or he didn't. And I said, and if he didn't like you, you would, you weren't, you didn't even exist in that room. 
and uh and i i think that's the from what i remember and i could be i could be off maybe it's kind of like my fight story which we'll get into another episode where you know when you tell people and i'm another i'm a foot taller each time you, uh, you tell it and i threw 10 more punches than i actually yeah. did every time you tell it but uh you know you know like uh, there's people like uh, i liked you and some people didn't and you liked me and you didn't like some other people and that's kind of the way it is but some people you know i guess they wanted to be your friend and it didn't work out and maybe that affected them more than others. But now you're, you're going through a new transition and, and you're out of the game and you got a new lease on life. And, and really just, uh, I think it's important to kind of share that, um, that transition and, and what made that happen to the viewers. Cause I think it's something that kind of, um, you know, doesn't, it does not get taken seriously, but I think, you know, it's something that like, it's a, it happens. It's not something that just, gets uh thrown around in a movie or something like that or you hear that someone you know uh, found their path but i think it's important for all our listeners to hear um what made that transition and a new road develop for you on to where you're going to where you are now actually yeah well and i and you know the story but when my when everything went bad my first year uh you know jake's wife I, I call my cousin Sarah. Her mom was actually going through her first fight with cancer, and uh, and she at the time, which I did not want to hear or read, she gave me uh, she gave me a book on Jesus, yeah. and um, I didn't want to talk to anybody, didn't want to hear it, but uh, you know Sarah ended up just giving it to me, and um, <laughs> I um, so I I read that book and. Um, yeah, everything changed uh, from there. And What's, um, what, which book was it? What's it called? Um, it's a. Uh, I tell people I'm in, I'm slightly embarrassed by the. Uh, it's one of those ones you don't read uh, facing out now. But um, it was called Just Enough Light for the Step I'm On. It's a pretty good title, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something I'd be intrigued to read that too, because I'm just thinking, okay, that can mean a lot of things. So let's let's turn the next. Let's turn this cover over and see what happens yeah right well i still have it but uh there you go but um but for me that was um that was a kind of uh you know of a of a new life and of kind of dying to all the the dreams of hockey i still obviously wanted to play um but um but for me i that was that was kind of uh everything changed from there um so when i came back i was kind of just wondering where I was going to be going and but um uh you know you're really the reason I uh, <laughs> you're the one who called me <laughs> hey, I was, and I'm you said so, hey do you I want to just, come and help this uh this girls hockey thing and I thought I girls hockey what <laughs> <laughs> I still and, remember uh, that I I still remember uh, I, I needed help and I was like well who's who's cool to help I'm like well Cody's pretty skillful let's Let's see if he'll answer Facebook, and sure enough, you did. Yeah, Facebook. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know I had that. That's <laughs> lots of stuff. Actually, no. What? No, no, no. I had to. Uh, I had to. I think it was Spence that I had to message and say, "Hey, what's oh, okay. Cody's number?" And then I or, or email, and yeah, that's right, because you don't have it. That's right. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, there. And then yeah, no, that's and that's and that's going to be that journey. We can do a whole different episode on. Cause that was a, that was, a, that was a fun few years that we can uh, go back on and look at. Cause we learned a lot during that time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, so the, well, there you go. And, and, but one thing we can touch on though is, you know, now you've gotten, 
I don't think you, you know, when you'd came back home, you'd be thinking, well, you know, you, you're, you know, one of the leaders at your home church, you're, you know, working a lot of private training and, and team training with, with, uh, kids now, um, where that's provided you, you know, a, a good start to your living and into your business. And, uh, let, let's kind of dive into that. Um, because I know you just don't take anybody and, and that's something that, uh, myself with, you know, some of those things that we're developing where you want a certain human being to be involved in at London real, they call it their tribe. Right. And you want certain people to be, to be in that. So, you know, what are you really looking for when you're teaching skill development, uh, with your athletes? Like, cause it's not everyone can work with Cody Creighton. There's still a little bit of that 18 year old still in them that says, I got a standard here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that. Uh, but, uh, I mean, work with, with all different ages and athletes and levels. Uh, and I really enjoy all of them. And, um, you know, one of the, uh, one of my, uh, my gifts by default was, um, I actually enjoy working with the players that no one likes working with <laughs> the uh. players that are, um, you know, I have coaches go, how do you, how do I get this guy going or what do I, and I go, don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do what you're th- you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, across the board, um, but, uh, but you being able to work with, um, you know, a variety of, of, of players because every player is so different and, and you're not just looking at a hockey player. There's a, there's a person there. So, um, and it isn't, Again, working with all levels, it's not about getting a person to, um, you know, to the NHL or, or whatever it is. You know, development's important, and uh, if I don't do it, uh, my clients don't improve, and and yeah, that's that's not good. It's a business, <laughs> um, but you know, it's taking a whole person uh, and saying, okay, now. I'm looking at their, their skill. I have to identify what the areas that I think we need to develop and the order that it needs to be developed. But then what kind of player is this? How am I, you know, how do they re- respond to this kind of training? How do they react? Um, so, you know, it's, it's more about being able to adapt to, to player as opposed to, uh, you know, me adapting, or, you know, or trying to find necessarily the, the exact right fit. And I, and I say this, I've been, I've been really blessed. I, uh, the players that I've been able to work with have just been a, been a complete joy. Um, I've enjoyed every from ages, you know, from eight till, till college. It's, uh, it's been, it's been a real joy. So I, I'm very thankful that I'm happened to be doing something that I never thought I would be doing. Well, one more topic before I go to my, my closing question. Um, and then, cause obviously we're going to be able to have many more episodes where we could talk for on a million different subjects. Um, you know, a lot of your stuff is kind of the, the latest things that are happening in the pro leagues. And there's a lot of our athletes who are, who they know how to do it and they, they, they want to look on, on more ways on how to be, you know, like not, they can't always go every, <clears throat> every day at three o'clock with Cody Creighton. Right. Uh, for, for their skill development. But uh, where do you learn all your stuff from? And for, you know, our older athletes who can take it upon themselves to refine some of their skills on their own time. Like, where are you learning this from? I know John is a huge resource without a doubt. Um, that 
you know, guys like a walking encyclopedia, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, of, of, uh, of, of, of hockey development. Uh, but like where, where can some of our, uh, more seasoned, seasoned athletes who can take care of themselves, like where can they find those little, those little timbits of information, uh, to kind of, to kind of hone in and refine their skills? Yeah. Well, on my front, I was just really lucky because, you know, when you play for that long, um, which a lot of players are playing that long, you get to work with all the best skills coaches. Um, yeah. So, you know, I never, I didn't plan that. I never actually realized it, but I, when I stopped playing, I went, okay, so I've been playing something for, you know, say 20 years and I've worked with all these different skills coaches and, you know, I actually have something to offer here. So you're, you're kind of taking all the different things you learn from your skills coaches as I'm sure other, you know, other players and this is part of development is taking the different parts that you're you know gathering here and then using it so I was lucky to have you know again my dad and John and then just all the skills when we were in um, Chicago and Kalamazoo we had all Vancouver's skills coaches working with us Um, you know even in Europe we had we had just really good coaches working with us Um, but uh, but you know I tell our I tell our players is you have to watch. So, you know, I never used to watch. Yeah. And being able to, being able to, to watch a game, um, you know, not just watching it for fun though. You need to do that, but, but identifying like, okay, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch Chris Letang tonight and I'm going to watch his footwork patterns. How is he getting out of corners? How is he going D to D watching his toes? Um, And then, you know, we like to build in those clips with the clips of the player. So, you know, we identify, okay, this is how you're moving across the blue line and why you're not moving well. And then we, you build in the skill and then you want to show them how they're doing it at the pro level. Uh, and, and the goal is for them to be able to do that on their own in practice and then watch on games and go, you know, I, I've had so I, couldn't count the amount of times where a player just goes, ah, I watched the Leafs and I, and I saw that, you know, what we were doing. And so, you know, that's, that's what awesome. you want a player to be able to do. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know what? I, you just, you just uh, struck a nerve with me there and I have a great idea once we, uh, we, we sign off here to, uh, to, to actually, um, you know, make that more available for, for kids there. Cause I think that's something they, they all want to know where the answer is, but no one's willing to show them or how to understand how to get the answer. And that's really, really, this is about now the, the final question that I ask everybody uh, when I sign off is uh, knowing what you know now, if you could sit down and talk to your 16 year old self, what would you say to that young man? Ooh have your cousin lace him in the face a couple of times and say, okay, now you're ready to listen. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I probably would have first told him that everything's going to be okay. Um, and um, yeah, um, I'm not one uh, to look back too long, uh, but uh, don't look it, back in anger. Like Oasis <laughs> said, yeah. Well, yeah. well, let me, know, ref- the- let me rephrase it for <laughs> you so, so that our listeners can, can get something. Knowing what you know now, what's the best advice you can give to the student athletes today who are looking to better themselves for tomorrow? Yeah. Um, 
I would say, uh, I would say first enjoy every minute. And, uh, my, my playoff talks with my teams is I say, this is the last, this is the last time, the last year we are all going to play together as a team. We don't know what happens the year after. And, um, and so going into every game and every, you know, every season, it's just, it's easy to get caught up in all the stuff that's going on and complaining about this and that. You have to deal with that. Um, you know, your ice time and power play, and et cetera, and all that. But, but to actually go and enjoy it and say, well, I get to be in a, you know, one of the things you'll, you'll hear from people, you ask, what do you miss the most? A lot of the guys just say, I just miss being in the room. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's why guys want to, yeah, they just want to, you know, you just miss the camaraderie of, you know, being around and connecting with people. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's important. And, and on the development side, um, you know, like I think you were, you were talking about it is really no one really knows where to go because maybe there isn't a lot of people that are, that are maybe helping people that are able to identify, you know, to identify and, and see how the development can work with each player. And so um, it, it, it does have to do a, a little bit with, you know, who are you, who are you going to, or who are you working with? And, and, uh, and I always like to say, you need to be able to show the development. You have to be able to show that it's, you're doing something. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, what are, what are you doing? So take every, uh, take every minute, uh, like it's your last. And, uh, you know, I remember a coach said our first year in college, <laughs> we have our first meeting we have, and he says, this four years will be the fastest you'll ever see. And sure enough, you're in your senior year and you're going into your last playoff round and just looking around and going, wow, guys, <laughs> this, this really went. So just take every moment. It's a, it's a great game. Um, there's bigger things out there in the world, more important things, but it is a great game to play. Another episode where we talk about the personal development and its values over the skill development of our our athletics. Cody, it's been great having you on. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to doing more episodes. This is Scott McDonald with the Real Experience Student Athlete Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you all next time.